As you're seated and get settled, would you open a Bible with me back to 2 Timothy chapter 2. That is our text for this morning. 2 Timothy 2, we will have just a small handful of passages projected on the screen behind me. We will read together from our own Bibles, 2 Timothy chapter 2, in just a few moments. So I would love it if you would have a Bible open or turned on and ready to read from God's Word with me this morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for singing the way that you have and for remembering the way that you have. We have been led well in worship today. And it is my privilege to invite you just to continue worshiping as we use God's Word. We have heard a lot this year about finishing what was started. That has been a focal point for the last nearly now 12 months of the year. And for my part, I am wrapping up my opportunities to stand before you with an open Bible back in the second letter of Paul to Timothy. I know of no better book in all of God's Word to help us cross the finish line of 2023, Lord willing. No better book to help us really think about finishing our God-given time on this earth, what that looks like, and the mindset that it is going to take to finish well as a soldier of the cross, even as we've sung about this morning, than 2 Timothy. Last Sunday morning, we just focused on 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're allowing the Apostle Paul to be our guide, even as he was a guide for young Timothy 2,000 years ago. He is our guide this morning. and I'd love it if you would read with me, beginning in verse 1 of 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul writes, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of Many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. 
For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things and charge them before God. Not to quarrel about words which does no good but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Able to teach. Patiently enduring evil. Correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We put as our focal point last Sunday morning what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. I have finished the race and that is our goal, especially in view of this theme from the year. We want to be able to say, I have run well. I have run well this year, not because of anything special about me, but because Christ Jesus has picked me up. He has shown me which way to run. He has provided that pattern of sound words that we talked about last Sunday morning. He has shown me the, the ultimate aim of the running, and I most certainly have not been perfect in this God-given year 
but I know whose I am. I know whom I have believed, and I am confident that he is able to guard until the day of finishing what has been entrusted to me. I want to be able to say that. I believe that you want to be able to say that. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here this morning. The question is, what is it going to take? Even at the end of our time on this earth, if God allows us moments to reflect as our last breaths on this earth in this body draw near. What is it going to take to be able to look back and say there is a fight that I have waged. There is a race that I have run. There is a faith that I have kept. Well, Paul is helping young Timothy left in the city of Ephesus working among believers and unbelievers, mature and immature, to help Timothy understand, Timothy, one day you're going to be where I am. The end of your race is going to be near and This is the confidence that I have in God. I want to help you have that confidence. And in fact, you are in Ephesus to have, help others have that confidence. He gives Timothy three reliable, relatable illustrations. Each of them with a long-term goal. Timothy, at the end, you want to be able to say, I have finished the race. Be like a soldier. 2 Timothy 2 verses 3 and 4. Who aims to please the one who enlisted him. It speaks to identity, doesn't it? And purpose. Timothy, you are not your own. Someone has enlisted you. And now, for the rest of your life, it is not up to you which way you want to march, which banner you want flying over your head. You have been enlisted. Allow your identity and your purpose to be defined by the one who enlisted you. Think of an athlete. He invites Timothy and and by extension all of us in chapter 2 and verse 5. Think of the athlete who must compete according to the rules. Because after all, whether we're anticipating Olympics in Paris next year or we're talking about Ancient Olympics 2,000 years ago. Everyone understands if that athlete is going to be crowned, he or she must compete according to the rules. You can't be like one of these people who has someone drop you off down a dark alley at mile 25 of a marathon and and you come tearing out of that alley and cross the finish line first. It doesn't work that way. No, if you're going to be crowned, you have to compete according to the rules. 
Allow your identity and purpose to be defined by the one who enlisted you. Live with respect and submission to the maker of the rules. The definer of the course. Timothy, you have a creator and he has defined life the way he intends it to be. Think of the farmer, a, a hard-working farmer in verse 6 who works for a harvest that he cannot see yet. Think of that farmer that gets up long before the sun rises on cold, dark days. Think of the uncomfortable environment some, sometimes around. Think of the hard-working farmer who knows that there is work to do even when the rain is falling and, and the snow is blowing. But you think of that hard-working farmer who has focused effort. He knows how eventually to reap a harvest. And so he's going to work with focused effort and long-term confident expectation. All of these, all three of these very relatable illustrations are encouraging Timothy and they're encouraging you and me this morning. Think beyond this morning. Think beyond today. What do you want to be able to say with confidence when your time on earth is done? It doesn't take any effort any discipline whatsoever just to think about today, just to think about this moment. And you most certainly, I most certainly have every opportunity. It is the easy downhill path just to think about what I want in the way that I want, when I want it right now. I'm just going to live for today and days come fast. And weeks fly by, and before I know it, I'm at the end of my life, and I'm filled with regret. Why? Because I didn't think beyond today. I didn't think about what I wanted to be able to say with my last steps before the finish line. Paul provides Timothy three relatable illustrations, each with a long-term goal. But he also gives him three things, Timothy, you're going to need to finish the race. In fact, they are three things that we all need in order to finish the race. And I would draw your attention in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 to the fact that he does not say, Timothy, you've got to be strong. Stand strong in the strength that you have developed. Stand strong in that strength that you inherited from your mother and, and your grandmother. He doesn't say, stand strong as a subject of the Roman Empire. 
He doesn't say, stand strong as a, a, a proud citizen in the great city of Ephesus. Stand strong as one of these Christ followers whose influence will only grow and eventually come to be known all over the world. He doesn't say that. No, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, You then, my child, be strengthened by grace. What an amazing thought. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's the same thing essentially that the writer of Hebrews said at the very end of his letter. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 9. It is good. Anytime God looks at something and says, that's good. We ought to perk up and pay attention. In a world that is so confused, so deluded and short-sighted. God says, it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. When you are weak, you need the strength of grace. When you are afraid, you need the strength of grace. When you feel inadequate, you need the strength that comes from the grace that is in Christ Jesus, when you are very uncertain and anxious about what is to come, listen to the prescription. Timothy, you're going to need this in order to cross the finish line. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Well, how can I find that? It is remarkable to me that he says in verse 8, to a a disciple of Jesus Christ who has been entrusted with the gospel left in the city of Ephesus charged to do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, let no one despise your youth, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, be willing and, and able to reprove and rebuke and exhort and, and correct Paul tells Timothy, remember Jesus Christ. Don't forget Jesus. Timothy, you're going to have to fight to exercise the single-mindedness of a soldier. Remember the one who enlisted you. You're going to have to fight and, and exercise. You're, you're going to have to discipline your own spirit in order to live with the respect of an athlete running a race that he has not defined. Respecting boundaries that have already been laid down. Timothy, you're going to have to keep in mind and live with the faithfulness of that farmer. Timothy, whatever you do, don't allow Jesus to be crowded out. Remember Jesus Christ. He's the center of everything. 
And this was written 2,000 years ago, but preserved in the wisdom of God so that you and I could give our attention to the public reading of Scripture. God is speaking to us this morning through this letter just as sure as to anyone. At work this week, keep Jesus the center of everything. At school this week, keep Jesus the center of everything. In the context of your home, keep Jesus the center of everything. Listen carefully to Paul though. He is not the Jesus of my own imaginings. I don't have the authority to define this Jesus. That's already been done. I, I don't have the authority to define the heart of Jesus. That's already been revealed. I don't have the right or the authority to, to redefine the, the mission or the methods of Jesus. No, you look at the language there in verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Why did he die? Because I'm a sinner. And that's how serious my sins are. Let's not sugarcoat sin. It cost the Son of God his life. Let's not allow the world to define how we think of ourselves or warp our sense of identity and purpose. We have been created in the image of God. A God who so loved a sinful world that he gave his only begotten son. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. He has been sacrificed. Remember the Jesus Christ who is alive this morning. He is not a footnote in history. He is not a fascinating character that every once in a while my idle curiosity might get to wondering a little. And so I give a little bit of attention to Jesus, a little bit of a nod to what an extraordinary historical figure he was. No, he is risen from the dead. Let's keep listening to Paul. Verse 8, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David. Remember Jesus who is the king. Remember Jesus who is the king of all kings. I don't get to put him in a seasonal box and open it up and look at some endearing little aspects of who Jesus was and then wrap him up in a box and put him in the back of the closet until it's time once again to pull out that cute little box. No, he was sacrificed 
for my sins and your sins. He is risen. He is alive. He is more than alive. He is reigning. And his resurrection is the ultimate proof that a day has been appointed when we will all stand before him and give an account for the way that we spent our brief time on this earth. And so Paul says, Timothy, you're going to need enduring faithfulness. Faithfulness. So much of 2 Timothy chapter 2 is all about endurance. If Jesus is risen and reigning, Timothy, you can face anything. That's the message of 2 Timothy chapter 2. If Jesus is risen and reigning, you can even suffer. It makes no sense to suffer for a dead and buried and still in the grave Jesus. But if Jesus is risen and reigning, Timothy, you can endure anything. Remember Jesus. Before we're done, Paul provides this young man and he provides us five points of perspective in the meantime. Timothy hadn't crossed the finish line yet. Timothy, this is the perspective you're going to have to have. You and I have not crossed the finish line. Perhaps for some of us that finish line will be this week. Are you ready? Are you running the race? What sort of perspective do you need to have in order to be able to say, I have finished the race? In many ways, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2 is communicating, Timothy, the baton of faith has been handed to you. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Paul couldn't go to Ephesus anymore. Paul couldn't go north, south, east, and west at, at his own choosing. Paul knows, like John the Baptist before him, I must decrease. Timothy, it is time for, for you to increase. Not because you are special, but because the baton of faith. Timothy, think of how many people have carried this baton of faith before you. Think about how Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and, and Rebekah, think of Jacob, think of his sons who formed the, the backbone of the nation of Israel. Think of men like Joseph. Think of men like Moses, Joshua, Caleb. Think of women like Deborah and Ruth and 
Esther, think about how many people have been carrying this baton of faith, just doing what they can in their own generation. And Timothy, I understand that it has all come up on you very, very quickly. And I know that you're young and I know that it is scary and uncertain, but you need to understand the baton of faith has been handed to you. And now it is your responsibility, number two, to faithfully carry it and hand it off. What you have heard, verse 2, from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Be like that single-minded soldier. Be like that determined athlete. Be like that hard-working farmer. But understand, Timothy, no matter what happens in Ephesus, no matter what happens to me in Rome, the Word of God is never bound. 2 Timothy 2 verse 8, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering. Paul is not suffering for a dead and buried Jesus. He is suffering for a risen and reigning Jesus. He is bound with chains as a criminal. But Timothy, understand, the word of God is not bound. Would you keep your hand there for just a moment and go back with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8? How powerful this man is speaking about 30 years after the events of Acts chapter 8. We're going back in time three decades when this man was more commonly known by his Hebrew name, Saul. Saul was there in Acts chapter 7 as Stephen, a disciple of Jesus, was stoned to death. In fact, the garments of the stoners were laid at the foot of this man, Saul. Look at Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Saul approved of his execution. He has just watched a Christian have rocks thrown at him until the human life within him is beaten out of his body. Saul approves. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging. In the language that Luke is writing, it is the language of a crazed, wild animal. Claws and fangs flying all over the place. That's the, the word that is used here. Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. As this man, now more commonly known by his Roman name, looks back on that. 
undoubtedly his heart is filled with unimaginable regret. Inexpressible shame. But do you know what he learned from first experience, first-hand experience? You cannot bind the word of God. He tried. And those who were scattered went about everywhere preaching the word. Here he is 30 years later in a Roman prison in chains and shackles. And he's able to say with full confidence, the word of God is not bound. Timothy, no matter what happens, no matter how you are looked down upon, no matter how you are ridiculed, no matter how you are threatened, no matter how you are arrested, no matter how you lose your life, you can never bind. Human beings can never bind the Word of God. As citizens of these United States of America, one of the things that we love to talk about are our rights and our freedoms. And we thank God for those rights and freedoms. Understanding that with great blessing comes great responsibility. We are stewards of incredible rights and freedoms. We thank God for that. But I want you to listen to me very carefully. Let's say that in 2024, the absolute worst case nightmare scenario unfolds when it comes to freedom of speech or religious liberties. Let's say that everything that, that keeps pollsters and pundits and good-hearted Americans up at night, let's say 2024 is the worst year for our freedoms and our liberties that we have ever experienced as a country. You know what? The Word of God will not be bound. No matter what happens, no matter how we may be looked down upon, no matter how much we may be fed that we're on the wrong side of history, no matter how we may be ridiculed, no matter how we may be fined or threatened, no matter if we are arrested, no matter if we are killed for faith in Jesus Christ. Listen to me. That is not game over for the gospel. In fact, that might actually help the gospel spread even further. We don't invite persecution. We're not wishing for hardship, but we understand that's not the worst case scenario. You know what is the worst case scenario? Living in the home of the free and the land of the brave never escaping the snare of the devil. That's the worst case scenario. 2 Timothy 2.26 The snare of the devil. What's the worst case scenario? Forgetting Jesus. 
walking away from my service as a soldier. Stepping out of the lines of the race, going my own way. Deciding I no longer want to work for a great harvest. Paul in 2 Timothy 2 verse 18 speaks of two men specifically who have swerved from the truth. That's the worst case scenario. But Paul doesn't want to leave us without a clear definition of the best news ever. Because of Jesus. 2 Timothy 2 verse 8, remember Jesus, risen from the dead. The offspring of David as preached in, in my gospel, in, in my good news. Because of Jesus, those who are caught, verse 26, in the snares of the devil can come to their senses. There is a king that I've not been respecting. There is a race that I've not been running. There's a harvest that I, I have not been prepared for. I am wasting my life. Verse 19, because of Jesus, anyone can come to their senses and, verse 19, depart from iniquity. Verse 19, God's firm foundation stands, bringing, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Because of Jesus, anyone can come to their senses, depart from iniquity, and be cleansed from what is dishonorable. Verse 21, therefore if anyone, do you hear that word? If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable. Listen, your creator is not asking you to leave behind this morning anything that is good for you, anything that is honorable, anything that looking back with your last breath you will be proud of and thankful for and gratified for in eternity. No, he is calling all of us to leave behind what is dishonorable. But because of Jesus, we can come to our senses, we can depart from iniquity, we can cleanse ourselves from what is dishonorable. And verse 10, we can obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. With eternal glory. And so let me ask you, even as I ask myself, for what have you been running this past week? Are you running for anything greater than, more substantial than the end of work in 2023? You're running for anything more substantial, more enduring than retirement. For what are you running? Anything more substantial than the dream vacation? Anything more substantial than bigger square footage? A nice shiny boat to get out on the lake next, next summer. For what are you running? 
God has used the Apostle Paul this morning to challenge us. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. He died, even as we reflected in the Lord's Supper, for the iniquity of others. He died for my iniquity. He died for your iniquity. But he didn't stay buried. On the first day of the week, just like today, he came out of that grave. And men like Peter and Paul and others went all over the known world at great cost to themselves, proclaiming, this Jesus, God has made both Lord and Christ. This Jesus has been appointed not simply as Savior, but as the judge of all mankind. Paul wanted Timothy to be ready and have Timothy help others be ready. And that baton of faith has circled the world and been carried by generation after generation after generation all the way into this room this morning. And there are ordinary men and women all around you who are doing their best, strengthened by grace, to carry that baton. Maybe you're ready to start running the race right along with us. Could we help you this morning? Help you in being reconciled to this Jesus who gave his life for you. If you've been living in that worst case scenario of swerving from the truth understand you have breath in your body this morning because it was given to you by a god who loves you but this god has told you over and over again the time is going to come when the race is done we want you to be ready if we can be of any help whatsoever would you let us know how by coming to the front while we stand and sing together